be praised. Amen. What an honor as well as a privilege to be here on this day of your celebration. 152 years. And we can say that God has been good. God has been mighty. God has been so, so good down through the years. What a blessing. And to hear that rich and awesome history. Many of us, we soon forget certain things that has taken place, but you're able to go back and see the hand of God doing great and wonderful things. And so, what a blessing to be able to uh, share with you on this day, 152 years of celebration. Amen. Want to thank the Lord for this privilege, your pastor, officers, and members extending an invitation to my uh, wonderful wife. Some 50-some years now, I think. Notice I say, I think. To be here to celebrate with you all and to have some precious time with our grandbabies. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. God is so good. And I look at your uh, sign over here. Great is thy faithfulness. God is truly faithful. And to be able to celebrate a hundred and uh, 52 years speaks to your enduring, enduring qualities, but yet God's faithfulness and holiness and, and just his mercy and kindness to just bestow all that upon you and to hear your history, how those who came and believed and trusted God and set out to do a work. And so what a blessing. What a blessing. And so as we come to this time to share out of God's word and to just to look in on the things that God has for us and looking at your theme that you have for such a time as this, season of harvest. And coming from Matthew's the ninth chapter, and we're going to be looking at verses uh, 35, 36, 37, and 38. But please focus when you see this, the season of harvest. I you to think in terms of those who labor and plow the field and all of that and plant the seeds, there's a time of harvest. But the harvest don't get done all by itself, does it? Nobody ever seen those little uh, ears of corn lining up and going into the barn and uh, those peas and things. There's, there's efforts and energy. And so as we look at that, I want you to think that there's labor that goes into this. Amen. Amen. So as we share out of I, uh, the word we share from the King James, uh, the ninth chapter 
the writings of Matthews as he pent down the many, many things of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in this ninth chapter, starting with the 35th verse, we have thus. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Lord, as we engage into your word, as we as a people come together upon this celebration, on this awesome occasion, dear Lord, we ask that you would allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in thy sight. We pray, dear Lord, that your word would take root continually in our hearts and that we may grow. And as the song said, that we may not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but that we would speak in power and through the authority of your Holy Spirit, that good news that brings life eternal to all who would believe. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. What a joy. And as I say, certainly after 52 years, thinking of those who went before you and as you are here speaks to the enduring qualities, but yet the faithfulness of God. Amen. God is faithful in all that he does. Not only did the psalmist utter that, but Jeremiah uttered, uttered the words, great is thy faithfulness. And God is faithful. He will do what he promised. He has said through his son and through the writings and the word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is ever there. And as we come to this time, celebrating, looking back, and just thanking the Lord, uh, we have to say to God be the glory. To God be the glory, great things he has done and great things he what? Continues to do. Amen. I want to say once again, it's certainly a delight and a marvelous privilege for me and my wife to be here to celebrate. And we will go back uh, to Cass Park and share some of the things that we heard and those who who fought a good fight, who built upon a foundation that will, is everlasting, and the things that continues uh, to go on. And we will let them know, uh, after 52 years, the light is still shining. I'm sorry, 152 years. I better get that right, amen? 152 years, the light is still shining. The love is still felt, amen? We can say praise the Lord coming together to celebrate. 
So when we look at your history, and when we look at the legacy, it's truly a testimony. A testimony, once again, to God's favor and God's love. It speaks volumes, and also it shows the authority of God's word. He will do what he say he will do, amen? And the Lord has uh, blessed you all. He continues to watch over you. And we think of those who gather beneath the trees, going back, having that faithfulness. Under the trees, not a building, not the benches, but what, what was it said? Set up on the stumps that was there. And God blessed that and he honored that. So you have held true to the faithfulness. You have held true uh, to God's uh, uh, enduring qualities and power that he does. And so when we look back at what has taken place is without any doubt, any doubt uh, uh, from your humble beginning, there has been the what? The ups. There has been the downs. You look at 152 years, some of the things that may have taken place, but yet you're still here. Through the storms, through the rain. All of those things that might have happened through the heartbreaks and heartaches. And you look around and see the rain and the sunshine, but through it all, what God has been what? God has been faithful. It's quite obvious that God has continued to look upon you. And so when we look at where you are, we, we, we're reminded of the, your focus and the passion. And we think about the harvest. We think about the harvest. When we think of God's people coming together, it's not for a social club. It's not for this, but it's for the winning it's for the sharing and it's for the spreading of the precious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When Paul said those words, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? It is the dumas, the power, not an explosive power, but a power that is able to come around the heart and the very nature of a person and explode those, that hardness and bring in that penetrating love and bring in that penetrating uh, light that is from above, the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we look around and see where you've come from, recognizing there's been the ups, recognizing that there's been the down, the heartaches, but yet in the midst of all of that, in the midst of the storm, God has shown his love God continues to show his power and what he can and what he will do. And so when someone say, I got a testimony, they're not saying, I want to tell you what I just seen, but they're telling you what they've gone through. And they can witness and tell you that God has been what? Faithful. Amen. God has been faithful. He continues to show his love in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the darkness. That light above still shine. And that gospel that he has given us as his people to preach, it extends to what? To whosoever. And it manifests God's love. So your theme and celebrating give witness as to the foundation 
the very foundation that you have built upon. Not only the foundation, it shows that your foundation is sound. And it also shows that you recognize your mission and where your mission is, that your mission is truly what? Rooted in the unchangeable word of God. Isn't that amazing? Over 152 years, there was those who took this same Bible, read from it, and as we read out of the word, nothing have changed. I would imagine when they read uh, uh, out of uh, uh, Acts, out of Romans, and where they read, I'm not ashamed of the gospel over 152 years, it has not changed. God is an unchangeable God. And he loves us and he cares for us. So as we engage in our sermon text that we have for today, there are some things that uh, it really speaks to. In this ninth chapter, oftentimes what we do when it comes to the things of, of God's word, we just sometimes come to a particular scripture and we say, oh, okay. But I want to challenge you as you look at this ninth chapter, as Matthew has recorded it, Jesus getting off of the ship. I want you to look at some of the things that Jesus was involved in, the things that he did. This ninth chapter itself is a book within itself out of all the things that Jesus did after he got off the ship. It's action-packed. It seems like it's just one event after another. You know, we watch these action movies, the car crash, and then this, come, this falls down, this falls down, and all those things. It's just so much that's just going on, we just get overwhelmed. But I submit to you that in this ninth chapter, as we look at Jesus, before we get to the text and all the things uh, that he did, got off the ship, and immediately he began to do great and wonderful things, the things that had been prophesied many, many years, even before he arrived on the scene, how he would come and do great things, how his earthly ministry would look. And he began to carry out things. He began to, to uh, heal people. Uh, here's a paralyzed uh, person and all of these things going on. He's uh, healing, he's teaching, he's preaching. He's answering questions. He's being challenged by all of these religious leaders about why your disciples do this and uh, why John and your, your disciples don't do this and our disciples do this and John or whatever. And he engaged all of that. If you look at that ninth chapter, Jesus never got upset. He just kept on doing and he was what? He was focused. And so I submit to you, when you think in terms of your theme, the season of harvest, and think about where you come from, you've got to be what? You've got to be focused. You cannot be distracted. You cannot let those things of this world pull you aside or cause you to trip or cause you to stumble, but you've got to be what? You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. And so he did all of these things in this, in this ninth chapter. He answered questions. He responded to the religious leaders. There was those who wanted uh, to see loved ones healed. 
And he took the time to do that. And so we see those uh, great things that is taking place. He, he healed a blind man and the two blind men. And what I find interesting about that in this ninth chapter, after they got healed, you know what they did? They went and got another person that was messed up. They went and got another person that was all out of shape, that needed a touch from Jesus. That should be a message to us when Jesus come in and, and touch us and make that difference. What should we want? We should seek out somebody else that we know. And I'm sure when we as people, when we think of our circle of friends and uh, our acquaintance, we know somebody that, that really needs who? They really need Jesus. And we don't say that in a condescending way, but they need help just as we needed help. And some of us, we don't, we don't want to admit it. When we get straightened out by the power from on high, we try to give this or that we did it all by ourselves. And, and there's those when we think of, of the harvest and and, and, and bringing in the sheaves and, and telling people, we sometimes think we did it. But we need to stay focused. And, and so these two blind men, what did they do? They went and found a friend who was what? Possessed with a devil. But that's kind of amazing, isn't it? Here they was blind, couldn't see, but they had a friend that was what? Possessed. Some of us, we, we got 20-20. Oh, we can see real good, but we cannot see those who really need to be touched, need to be brought to what? Brought to the Savior that can do great and wonderful things, who is able to do great and wonderful things. And so we see the power of Jesus at work. He continues his ministry going through the cities, and I want you to focus just one minute on, on verse 35. As he got off the ship and all these things going on, he taught the religious leaders that uh, the well don't need a doctor. Who need a doctor? Who need a doctor? The sick need a doctor. But you know what? Unfortunate, we live in times where we have all uh, the medical technology and all these things and we have a lot of people, they know they're sick. They don't even go to the doctor. They think they're just going to get better just by thinking about it. And there's a lot of people that sinking in sin and know that they're separated from a Savior that loves them and care for them. And you know what? They say, well, oh, maybe tomorrow. If you know that there's something that can make a difference, don't you want to get there? Don't, don't, don't you want to go there? People are searching and looking and looking all in the wrong place. And some of us know where they should be looking, and we don't even help them. Here's two blind men took the time. And so Jesus took that time and delivered him, and he continued his ministry. And we see in verse 35, and it says what? And Jesus went about all the cities. Here he is, the cities uh, that was surrounding Jerusalem and there in Judea. And he did what? He went to villages, teaching in their synagogues, teaching in their gathering. The synagogues is where they gathered. 
outside of the temple, they gathered together in the reading of the uh, Torah, and they gathered together in the synagogue, and there he was. He preached the gospel, the gospel, Eon Julian, the good news, the good news, the good news about God's kingdom. He preached that, that there was hope. He, uh, he uh, went about and he preached, the, and he not only preached about the kingdom, but what did he do? He administered to the healing of every sickness and every disease among the people. He ministered, taking care of the physical concerns. But when we come to verse 37, or should we say verse 36, look how it changed. I want you to look. There's a shift there. There's a shift. But when he saw the multitude, and, and this is letting us know that he seen them in a different light. Because what did he do? He had already gone where? Among the people. He brought about healing. He preached. He taught. But verse 36 says, and when he saw the multitude. This letting us know that it has changed. And as a result, he was what? He was moved. If you capture the 11th chapter of John in John's gospel, he's, he's seen the people. And he's seen them wandering as sheep without a shepherd. And that's where we get that classic verse, John 11.35. Jesus wept. Not only did he say, oh, how awful. You know how we do when we see certain things? We say, oh, how awful. Oh, how sad. And then we go on what? About our business. We, we got things to do. I can't get caught up in that. But it says here in 36, and when he saw the multitude, he was what? He was moved. He was moved. He seen them in a different light. The, the, the need. Not just he had healed. He had delivered them from demons and devils. But he seen them in a different light. Because uh, uh, when we think of humanity and we think of the needs that is there. I, I want you to know that it goes beyond the physical. When, when there's people who is, is healthy. They, their heart is sound as whatever. Uh, their blood pressure is on point and all of that. They're eating. They're up at the right time. But when you look at them and say, oh, boy, they're healthy. But there is a spiritual part. What's, what's, what's your spiritual blood pressure? Uh, uh, what, what's your spiritual heart rate? Uh, we began to look at that. And Jesus was what? He was moved with compassion. What? On them. And, and, and Matthews tell us why. He says because they was fainting. Some says uh, they use the word harassed. But this speaks to the weakness, some of the depressions and things. And, and, and some of the commentaries tell us that they was, they was fainting because of all the religious things that they was involved in that didn't do anything for them. Now, now, now get a picture of this. During the time that Jesus came, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees, and all those religious people was on the scene. And they, when Jesus came and began to do things, they followed him and questioned him. So they knew about religion, 
but they needed to know something about somebody who really cared for them. Not only from a temporal standpoint, but a eternal standpoint. See, when we talk about Jesus and him coming, we're moving, we're, we're, we're transitioning from the terrestrial and focusing on the celestial, the heavenly things. See, because when this life is over with and we have that relationship with the Lord, like John say, it does not appear what we should be like. But when we see him, we should see him for ourselves because we will what? Be like him. Isn't that something when we sin? It doesn't appear what we're going to be like. But the day that we sin, and I tell you, if you have Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord and Redeemer, you will see him. It's not without a doubt. It's not if I see him. It's when I see him. Amen? Amen. And it's not about you. It's all about him. And so as we look at this verse, verse 36, it changes. They fainted. They were scattered. How was they scattered abroad all over? And in the context as a sheep without a shepherd. Without a shepherd. And so then he goes on and we see then said he unto his disciples. Notice he didn't ask for the legislators to enact the bill. Uh, to, to, to take care of that. You know, some of us, we're, we're waiting. What are they doing in Washington? What are they doing in the state house? Now the question come back. What is God's people doing? I, I think Solomon uh, summed it up when he says, if my people, if my people, and, and so who's the age, real agent of change in a world such as this? God's people. Oh, we waiting on this. We upset with this person. They don't act right. They don't talk right. Yeah, we, we, we paying tax. Well, pay your taxes. But remember, God's people is the agent of change. God's people is the one that has a message that can bring a person out of darkness. And as a, it says over in Philippians, being translated out of darkness and to the light of his son. And what kind of light is that? The marvelous light. The marvelous light. So as we look at these remaining verses, 36, 37, and 38, we see some things happening. He, he says something about the harvest. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. Uh, let, let's make that clear right now. It, the, the, the thing is not the harvest, but what is the thing? It's the laborers. And there's nothing wrong with the harvest. It, 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 it's there. It's there. But what about how we get this harvest in? That, that, that's the question. And, and so we see that he says the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. How are we going to take care of this? How are we going to address it? And you know what? It gives us the prescription when we have issues, when we're going through challenges as God's people, as God's children. What do you do? You pray. You pray. We, the, the harvest, we, we're concerned about it. 
but we don't have the, the laborers, what are we going to do? Just leave it out there? No, let's pray. Let's pray. Call to prayer. You know how sometimes we wait to. We got all kinds of things going on in the church. I want to use another word, but I don't want y'all to say, uh, Pastor Bishop's son came up in here and cursed in our church, and we can't have that. But we have all kinds of, of things going on, breaking out in our churches, and we be saying, what we going to do? You pray. You pray. But understand this. It wasn't just you pray, but he directed them to where their prayer is to go. See, a lot of times we just, well, let's pray because that kind of sounds religious, don't it? That, that, that do, you know, all oh, y'all up in here fussing and fighting, let's pray. Wait a minute. Well, who are we going to pray to? So he said this, pray. And then he says, therefore, what? The Lord, the Lord of the harvest. See, when, when we pray, yeah, we pray. We tell people, I read my Bible. I pray every day. But how do you read your Bible? Well, wherever I open it up to, wherever it falls to, I tell people, I say, listen, let's get real. If you're really going to learn the things of God, you got to do it in a systematic way. You, you got to have systematic reading. You, you just can't pick up. Uh, the Bible says, wherever it opens up to, that's what I read. Well, that might be good on some occasions, but if you're really going to grow, and if you're really going to develop into that agent of change, you've got to do it in a systematic way. Book upon book, line upon uh, line, and here, here a little and there a little, but you've got to be able to take it all in. And, and, and so he says, we pray to the Lord of the harvest. And we will trust him to do what? Send the laborers. How do we take care of the problem of the harvest? There's no problem with the harvest. The harvest is there. So when we look at these scriptures, verses 36 through 38, here's what we see. We see, number one, the deeper look. Because Jesus says, it says, but when he saw the multitude. So we have a deeper look, a spiritual look. And we see that in taking that deeper look, we see the heartbreak, the heartbreaking condition of the people. Why don't we get busy about the things of the Lord? We don't see the condition of the people. We go around and we say, oh, how awful, how sad. And, and, and those, that shows a little compassion. But, but when we're really moved and when something really grip our heart, it's going to cause what? It's going to cause some action. And, and, and so the people conditioned a heartbroken. They was heartbroken people. Uh, wasn't nothing wrong with the, with the harvest. And then we have in here how you should direct your prayer, your prayer request. And then we have the immediate action and empowerment. If you go right into verse 10 of this uh, particular writing of Matthews, and then he says, and he called the 12. And then he did what? 
he empowered them, letting us know that there's a harvest, but it goes beyond the physical. It, it goes beyond what we can muster. And, and see, a lot of time in our church worship and our, and our today way that we do church, uh, well, we have so-and-so over here and they have that skill. We have so-and-so over here and they have that ability, which is all good and really speaks well. But to do the things that God wants us to do, it takes the power from on high. And a lot of us don't realize that. Uh, I heard someone uh, talking about God's power. And, and I remember this king named Jehoshaphat. They, they, they had a battle. And all those, all those people was coming. And they didn't know what they was going to do. They talked about the little ones and the children and all of that. And they got a word from God. And the word came through loud and clear. And it says, the battle is not yours. But who? But God. See, see, a lot of us, we, we see the rage and we see the onslaught. We, we see them coming. We see all of this trouble. And we're wondering what we're going to do. What do we do? We, we, go to the God. we go to God, the one who is able to do great and exceeding things. The one that declared to Sarah and Abraham that there is what? Nothing too hard for God. And I just want to say that that's true. That, that, that is true. Ask Zachariah and Elizabeth. Here they was. What did God do? Bless them with a child. Then they what? Old age. God can do anything. And there is nothing too hard for God. And then when we look at the immediate action and power in chapter 10, I just want you to focus on on, on, on chapter 10, verse 5, it tells us something, and it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the cities or, or unto the Gentiles, but into the cities of the Samaritans, but go rather unto the lost sheep. And then they was to preach, and they was to tell them about what? Salvation redemption that comes through Christ Jesus. They identify uh, the ones that is there and it tells, tells about what the apostles was to do. And when we think in terms of what we have, we look at what we call the apostolic ascension. Those things, how Jesus empowered them. The message that Jesus gave them. We too are to go share, empower, and do those things that God would have us to do. So kind of going back, when we look at this chapter from verses 1 through 35, as I say, it's action-packed. All of those things that the Lord did, all those things that Jesus was involved in, the healing, the forgiveness, the admonishment, the affirming of his purpose and mission, uh, to call sinners to repentance, recruiting those to follow him. He did all of that. And then after he did all of that and sinned the multitude, he took a deeper look. He, he, took, all, he took a deeper look. He, he stepped back. He, he looked beyond the physicals. And I, I, would, 
I think many of us can admit there's those who are struggling physically. There's those who, who just don't have the means. There's those who just don't have the strength. There's those who just don't have the intellect. Yeah, they, it, it, that's all true. And we have great need and we want to address those and we want to try to remedy it. But when all of those things, we might come with a solution. But if we do not look at it from a, in the spiritual context, where are we? Going back to Genesis 3, where we have the engagement of Adam and Eve uh, disobeying God and, and the door opening for sin. Sin is all around us. And, and so that's, that's the battle. Oh, yeah, we have needs, but where are we spiritually? Uh, we're struggling on the inside. Uh, that, that's spiritual. And so Jesus took that what? Deeper look. Look beyond the physical. And, and he looked with love and compassion. He didn't look with disdain. You know how sometimes we look at people, and we, we see people out on the streets, they're dirty, they're smelly, they have a stench, and we look at them with disdain. Look at them. Look at them waddling and all of that with disdain. And, and, and just think of when Jesus seen the people, how they was. He didn't look at them with disdain, but with love. And, and with compassion, he, he now was focused on the what? The spiritual. And they was void, empty. They was, that's how they was. And so now we see all of that spiritual emptiness. And we see the compassion of Jesus. Which takes us to, uh, when we think of sinners, when we go to Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet Yet sinners, some of us, we don't see that. Oh, God loved me because of who I am. God loves me because of my pedigree. You know, my mother and my father, you know, they had all of this. And God loves me because I got it all together. But God commended his love towards us and that while we were what? Yet sinners. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Ephesians 2, 4, God who is rich in mercy wherein he what? Loved us. Loved us. And so he looked, he stood back, he seen the spiritual needs and he, that love that only comes from above, that the very essence of God who is love. And when we talk about love, true love, who are we talking about? We're talking about the Lord, the, the, the God who is love. And so not only did he see them in that light, he recognized their condition, heartbroken condition. They was faint, meaning weary and, and fatigued and depressed. They were scattered, castaways. They was hopeless. And I think one of the worst things that can ever happen to a person today is that they enter into a state of hopelessness. And that's where God makes the difference. Where, where, where there is no hope, when God shows up, he brings hope. Where there is darkness, when God shows up, he brings the light. 
where there's hatred and bitterness, when God shows up, we have that love. That, 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 that charity that, that is spoken of in, in 1 Corinthians in the 13th chapter. If I have this, all of that and have not love, if I do all of this and give myself and, have, and don't do it in love, it profit me nothing. And so that love, and, and so they was helpless. And what did Jesus do? Jesus associated the conditions of the people without a shepherd, Speaking to the spiritual what? The spiritual danger and the vulnerability that was there. Uh, uh, sheep that was wandering, they was very vulnerable. And so it's in the spiritual context. They was vulnerable in a spiritual way. They, they were spiritually exposed. And Jesus being the good shepherd, being the, being the true shepherd, acknowledged their needs. And, and so he, he recognized that. And then what does he do when he sees the situation? We're good at pointing out what the problem is. But coming up with the solution, that's where we fail. When we, we fail, we, we can tell you a million problems. And we can write them all down. We can categorize them. And we can say this, this is in the physical. This is in the mental. This has a psychologic and all of this, all of that. We can lay them out. But what's the answer? And, and oftentimes, I, I used to hear people say, Jesus is the answer. But we as God's people have to let them know Jesus is the answer. And he answered all those things that was in my life. And not only did he answer it, but he what? Made a difference. And, and, and so we look at that. There they was scattered without a shepherd. And so what we see here, this speaks to, to his, he spoke, who did he speak to? He didn't go to the religious leaders. He didn't go to uh, those who was in charge of all the governments or whatever, but he spoke to his disciples, those who was learning, those who he called, and he, he focused on what? The harvest. He called them, say, hey, we got something going on. And, and this metaphor, when we talk about the harvest, it has a deep spiritual implication. And what, what is it? it, it the, the significance of the harvest speaks to the lostness of mankind. And if you look at scripture in the New Testament, Jesus talks about uh, the fruit of the vine. Jesus talks about the sheep. He talks about the figs. And, and so the people in that day was, was agricultural type people and sheep and shepherd type people. And they was from, familiar with that. So the harvest itself spoke to the, to, to, to the lostness of people. And if you look at John, how John recorded it in John 4.35, Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Don't say four months, the harvest. But he says, lift up your eyes, it's white unto the harvest even now. And some of us, we ask them, where, where do I find lost people? I haven't seen any lately. I guess I don't have to worry about the what? No, there's a harvest out there. And, and so the harvest is, is, is white, it's ripe, it's ready for reaping, and it's plentiful. And Jesus seeing the multitude and all the lostness around him. And, and, and the crucial need to what? 
to provide the spiritual guidance and protection. Uh, this kind of goes on to what Jesus said later on in his writing. And, and, and Matthew's 11, verse 38 through 40. Uh, Come unto me, all ye that labor and what? Are heavy laden, and I'll do what? I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and what? Learn of me. And that's what we need to do. Some of us, we're fatigued. Some of us, we're just tired. We're just ready to give up. We're ready to faint. We're just overwhelmed with all the things that's there. But we need to look to the one that is able to do what? Give us rest. Be able to bring us to a point where we, we have those things that, that we need. And, and so, what's the problem? When we sum all of this up, we hear Jesus saying something. The harvest is plenteous. So it's the laborers. The laborers. We need laborers, workers. As God asked in the days of Isaiah, who will go for us? Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Did we hear anyone other than Isaiah say, Lord, here am I, send me? And that particular text, no, it's just Isaiah. But that's what we need more Isaiah saying, here am I, Lord. Some of us say, Lord, here am I, and here's my need list. I need this, I need that, and we go to God with our need list rather than going to God and say, Lord, here am I. Use me as you see fit. Most Christians today, they're in a comfort zone, and I often say, when we say, talk about the post-Christian era that we're in, it's, we, we have become, we, now please it, it, hear me out. We are, Christians are really selfish these days. We pray for, I need this, Lord. I need that. And Lord, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I got that, but I want something a little better, Lord. Uh, Lord, you know, our church, we, we're really doing things, but we just need more people. And Lord, why don't you uh, do this and do that? We, we are selfish. We're not looking out as to what we can do for others. And we're not asking God like Paul did on the road to Damascus when he says, Lord, who are thou and what will you have me to do? We, we stay away from that. We, we don't want to know what God wants us to do. But that's altogether another thing. But, but we see God is calling and asking for labors. And so what was the answer to how do we remedy this problem? came to prayer. Let's look at this briefly. He told them that they need to pray and he, and he told them how to direct their prayer, their prayer petitions, their, their, their requests. And they said to the Lord of the harvest, says be specific. Sometimes we get on our knees and we pray, Lord bless everybody. Lord uh, go, go throughout the world. We got bad things going on. And we never bring it down to us. Lord, help me to be. Lord, help me to be an influence. Lord, help me. Lord, I have a friend over there on 2nd Street. Lord, I have a friend over there. And though she didn't ask me, I'm praying for her today because there's things going on. Be specific. It's like Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer and show you what? Great and wonderful things. 
Some of us, that invitation is there. God says, call unto me. God says it, uh, that invitation in Isaiah 1.18, come unto me now and let us what? Reason together. An invitation from God to come. Let your prayer petitions be known. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you in directing your prayers. And, and so the harvest the, is ready, but the labors are few. But I just want to say this as we get ready to close this up. The labors are few. That's the issue. Pray the Lord of the harvest, that the labors. But I, I want to say this. When I read uh, Romans 10, 15, it kind of lets me know that the laborers here got to kind of know what they're doing. Uh, the, the, the laborers here has got to be aware of the bigger picture. It's not just saying, we got a problem, just jump in. There's a way that you engage in the labors of the Lord. Let, listen to what Romans 10, 15 says. And how should they preach? Except they be what? Sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How can they? And so God needs laborers, but that's qualified. Oh, oh, you know how some people put a sign up and say, help wanted? And, and, and you go in there and say, I'm your help. And they begin to ask you, well, do you have this? Do you know this or whatever? So, and they say, well, we, we want some help, but you don't qualify. In other words, they should have been a little more specific. But God in his call for laborers, it's been specific that you have certain qualities. And that you're able to be ready to go and to do. And not only did he qualify that, but he gave those ones when those prayers, he said, pray. And then when we look at verse chapter 10, we see the answer to 12. They was what? Empowered. They was given a mission uh, to go and engage in the harvest. Uh, they was there and ready. And so when we look around and see all this taking place. Is there a season of harvest? Yes, it is. We see Jesus empowering the 12. And one of them was a what? One of them was a devil. But he went out. He did. He was empowered. And uh, it goes to say, God can use what? Anybody. You know, it says, we don't give him the praise. What? These what? Rocks? What? Some of us, we sitting up, won't say nothing about the Lord. He said, he, he, these rocks will cry out. And they came out with a song, Ain't No Rock. Ain't, I hope, I hope don't, don't, no rock have to take your place. But ain't no rock. So, so God is able, but God gave them power. And so you say, well, where are we? What do we have? Well, that brings us to Acts 1.8. Uh, during the post-resurrection ministry of Jesus, he told them about them who? receiving power and going out. Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you should be my what? Witnesses. And so we see the mission, and as the mission here in our text, as we read the 10th chapter, they was to be an agent of change. And so where are we to be? We're to be that agent of change. And to be that agent of change, 
in these days, it's not soliciting, getting people to join this, but to be an agent of change for God, you've got to be one that brings the good news. The good news, we miss that sometimes. Uh, I remember the Wiz, and they sung that song, Don't Bring Me No Bad News. But we got what? Good news, and we are sitting on it. We got good news that somebody came from glory. We've got good news that God has prepared a way. We've got good news that God is doing something for you that you cannot do for yourself. Good news. You don't have to die and go to hell. And not only uh, good news about not going to hell, but he's made it possible in the good news that you can be a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold all things. Not some things, but all things have become what? Brand new. Now, I, I, I don't think some of us got there yet. I got some brand new things from God. We call people up, I just got some new furniture, I got a new rug or whatever. When the last time we call somebody up and say, I'm a brand new person in Jesus. I got a new heart. I got the mind that was in Jesus. It, it, what, what does it say? Be ye transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. It, it, it says over there in Philippians, let this mind be in you that was where? In Christ Jesus I got a new mind. I got a new heart. All things have passed away. Praise God. All things are brand new. But when the last time we told anybody that? When the last time we told somebody that, that we was on business? And they often look at, what kind of business are you on? As God's people, what kind of business are we to be on? The business of the Lord. And I submit to you, a season of harvest. Those, those, those are memorable words. But I just want to say, and I don't want to mislead you in any way. Bring it in the harvest. It, it, it's not easy. Bring, bring it in the harvest. It, it, it takes time to get in you right. Uh, there are some folks trying to do a job and they ill-equipped. You know, you got some folks, you, you know, today we talk about our computers and there are some folks who say, oh, I know a little something about that. And we get our computer back and it's 10 times worse than what it was. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Some people tell us, I know how to work on a car. Get it? It, it, was, it was sputtering. Now it's sputtering, missing and hiccuping and everything else. And let, let, me, let me just make this plain. The harvest. There's a season of harvest. And there's souls out there perishing. There's souls out there, mothers, fathers, children, wayward in every way. And there's nobody to come to their rescue. I heard on the news that it was this young man I think it was in New York City, uh, being stabbed. And, and there was a group of people there. And everybody kind of stood idly by. It, it, you, you began to say, if there was somebody there, it seems like 
somebody would have what? Helped him. And, and, and so we, in a sense, as believers, and, and I know if I would ask the question, how many of you in here know that God is really a good, good God? And, and, and if I ask you, how many of you believe that the word of God is true? You know, we, we got those amen. But it, it comes down. Jesus says, the harvest is plenty, the labors are few, pray. And then he got down to the real thing, execution. See, see, we say certain things. And we say we're going to do for the Lord. On Sunday, we're going to do everything for the Lord. But, but when Monday come, uh, well, Lord, you know, I was going to do it. But, but my schedule got a little tight. Uh, Tuesday, I, I might get to it, Lord. But, you know, I just got a call from my buddy across the street over there. And Tuesday, all taken, Lord. Where are we today? And I really believe, I really believe that God doesn't preserve or, or, or work such as this doesn't persevere as such 152 years just to say we're still here. Isn't that something? We're still here, Lord. And some of us, we hear that. We're still here, but what you doing? Do, do, do people know? Do, do they know about the one that you've been talking about that 152 years? Do, do they know that he's a really, really good God? Do, do they really know that he's able to bring you out? And, and that's the message. And, and so it comes down with a season of harvest, but it takes the power of God to bring this harvest in. And taking the power of God and it also take those who know that they were harvested by somebody that they're willing to do what? They're to harvest and bring someone else in. Because what do we say? The apostles, the apostolic ascension is something that is passed down and passed down and passed down. And we're to pass that message on and we're to do what? Tell somebody. This is good news. And not only is it good news in the sense of what it will do for you today, for Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you may have life and that they may have it what? Uh, preach the word. More abundant. What does an abundant life look like? I, I got all this stuff and I ain't letting nobody have it. No, the abundant life is I got so much I'm willing to share with you. Isn't that something? I'm willing to share with you. You. And that's what it should be about. Season of harvest. Power of God. Sharing. Telling. And letting people know that God is able. And that what you tell them. That message. Transcend the physical. And it prepares you for kingdom. Kingdom dwelling. Hallelujah Avenue. Filled with gold. Running down streets of gold. Hallelujah Avenue, you can have that privilege because of what Jesus have done. Let us roll up our sleeves. Let us be focused. Let us be clear with what our mission is, is to bring in the harvest. There is nothing wrong with the harvest. Father God, we 
thank you for who you are. Loving, merciful, kind, forgiven, and one who recognized where we are. Lord, we're frail. There are so many that is scattered. Even though we might be in church attendant, we might not really know the shepherd. We may not have given over. We're fainting, we're weak, and we just need to know. And so, Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak to those ones who may not know you, challenge them, and those of us who have made that profession of faith and know what it is to have the joy of Jesus, may we grow, may we develop into that believer that you would have us to be and give us that desire that we would be willing to share. We would be willing to roll up our sleeves and to bring in the harvest whereby you may be honored and whereby you may be glorified. Make us that agent of change. Help us that we may be engaged in with kingdom building. Help us that we may be the one that brings the light, that push back the darkness and set the captives free. Bring in deliverance to those ones who are crying out and let them know that Jesus is able. Oh Lord, may your blessings fall fresh upon this church, this congregation, as they come together to celebrate, to rejoice all the great things that you have done down through the years. And may you let them know, dear Lord, that as you was with them in the beginning, you will yet be with us, dear Lord. You will never forsake us. You're a God that loves us. You're a God that will continue to do great and wonderful things. And may we as a people always, always sing your praise as a, uh, the, the ones around the altar cried out, worthy is the Lamb. Lord, you're worthy of all praise and all honor. Thank you, dear Lord. May we know that your Holy Spirit is working in us. And may we know that your word is true from everlasting to everlasting. Bless we pray. And for us in Jesus' name, we do pray and give thanks. And we say amen, amen, amen and amen and amen.